Josie isn't here today because we're recording at 10am on a Monday morning and she has a job. And the reason we're recording at 10am on a Monday morning is that I'm joined by someone else who, like me, is freelance. And that person is Brody Lancaster. Hi. Hi. Love to not be at work today. <laughs> Sorry, Josie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josie. Yeah, I love being not being at work as well. Um, so the reason that we really wanted to have you on this podcast is that you're like, just a real pinnacle of freelance perfection, you know, oh. like. <laughs> this no. will be exposed throughout that I'm not. <laughs> okay. Well, um, but you know, you're full-time freelance, mm-hmm. doing well. Yeah. How long have you been full-time freelance for? I, so today is what, the 12th, 13th of May. I, my first official day of full-time freelance was the 1st of May last year. Oh my God. Yeah. Great. I made the decision to quit my job. I had a full, I had full-time jobs from like 2011 to like seven years, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but a few different jobs. Um, and then I decided to leave my last job at the end of like mid-March last year, I gave like six weeks notice and set May 1 as my start date because it was a Monday and it seemed like <laughs> the first of a month on a Monday, it seemed yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's maybe like I want to explain to everyone what you do. Yeah. So you're a writer, you have a podcast, you wrote a book, yeah. like you do lots of things. Yeah, I do. So my old job um, was at like a copywriting studio, but we did a lot of like social media, marketing, Facebook ads, strat- like social media brand strategy stuff. Um, so I learned a lot about copywriting there. And so I do a lot of that now. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the big money making mm-hmm. stuff as a freelancer. Um, but the reason I was able to go freelance in the first place, cause I, for years I had full-time jobs and was like writing and doing public speaking stuff on the side at like writers festivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, is, as you know, is very kind of, inconsistent and like I never thought that I could go freelance just because I was like a I don't have enough ideas to Mm. sustain like a full-time writing Mm. career and also people don't pay you enough to be able to do that um I said a but then I didn't have a b (laughs) but um uh and so uh, kind of in mid 2017, a friend of mine who runs a tour is a tour promoter, runs her own company. Um, she was like, I need help with my marketing, my socials. Do you think you could help me? And I was at the time thinking of going down to four days a week at my day job. Um, and I said, yes. So I immediately went back up to five days cause I was doing one day helping her. And then she basically at the start of last year. So like, yeah, like mid March was like, I've talked to my accountant. I want to bring you on two days a week. Would that give you the flexibility to be able to like leave your job? Mm. And so, um, essentially she pays me a day rate, but I invoice for a month at a time. Mm -hmm. So it's my kind of foundational income, I guess, which is, makes me able to like pay my rent, pay off like a loan repayment and like some bills and then everything else I'm making freelance. And I, yeah, set myself a goal when I first went freelance of how much I wanted to make in a month. And so I try to either hustle or just like, you know, one month is really intense and another month is a bit quiet or something like that. Yeah. Do you want to say what your goal amount is? My goal amount was $3,000 a month. And that was on top of what I was making Mm -hmm. um, from 
the kind of one, you know, two days a week to a promotion job. Um, and I actually brought my diary to show you. This is like a visual oh asset, but it's really fat. Everyone. It's oh like, yeah. <laughs> I started this diary. It. It's an 18 month page to a day diary. So when I first went freelance, I just started writing these columns that were like the week, the dates in that week. So like week one, 29th of April to the 5th of May, what the job was, how much I got paid. And mm. then uh, every four weeks I total it off mm. to see how I'm tracking with my 3000. So you yeah. can see here, it's like 2,500 one month, 5,200 the next month. So that kind of evens out mm -hmm. 53 the next month. But so now I'm up to week 56, mm. have not had a huge month the last like six weeks or so, but the month before that, quite big mm. because what I do is when basically when I, if I pitch something and it gets picked up, I write it down in that week. Yeah. And sometimes that's a copywriting job, which takes weeks to do. Yeah. And so it means I'm not picking up more work yeah. in the weeks after that. I hope this is making sense to people who aren't looking at <laughs> this thing, but yeah, basically I, I set a tracker to, it's like a hard copy tracker. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it part of like a spreadsheet or something for next financial year. Yeah, that's cool. I have a spreadsheet, but I'm like not organized enough to break it down by month. Cause yeah, yeah it's kind of what you said. It's like, well, I might get briefed on a job one month and then it just yeah. takes a while for me to do. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not very good at numbers. And so it just confuses me. Yeah. And, but I just have a big running total of how much money I've made so yeah. far. And, and like Mar March, my like running total was significant but that was because I had like a handful of like writing jobs some of those were like interviews with artists whose albums are coming out this month mm -hmm. so they're just running now so I'm only gonna yeah, now yeah. be invoicing and getting paid um other ones were like hey do you want to interview this author I said yes I wrote it down that week I did that interview last week so I yeah, still yeah. haven't been paid yeah long-term co like a copywriting job for like a festival yeah which is like can you write our program copy in March, but then also EDMs in April yeah. and then it gets announced in May. And so we'll invoice in June or something, yeah. you know, like it's, it's a long-term <laughs> gig. I have like so many questions for you. Okay. Um, okay so. I feel like I'm, I'm saying too much too soon. No, you're not. I'm just, there's just like, I feel like I want to pick your brain because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby freelancer. And we I'm do similar stuff. And we do similar yeah. stuff. So I'm like, Tell me everything. But um, first, like you talked about kind of having, I don't know, like thinking that you wouldn't be able to make enough money from it or mm -hmm. like apart from getting that two-day-a-week job, how did you kind of get over that fear? Um, I didn't really. Like yeah. I still have – I kind of have it now. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, I picked up a bunch of work in March and the last like six weeks, um, so basically all of April and this start of May – I haven't been getting as much work coming in because I've been kind of doing all the work that I've already signed mm. on for. And so I'm in that process now where I'm like, fuck, I need to get another copywriting gear. And I've been really lucky, like copywriting stuff kind of has come about through word of mouth. Like mm. you can't really pitch for copywriting. Mm. Um, so I've been lucky to get like referred, do a good job on the first one. And then that same client will come back for more stuff. Mm. Um, so I really want to pick up a bit more copywriting at the moment. Um, I also like have been telling myself for a year or two now that like 
when stuff settles down and when you have more time, you can start working on like an outline for like another mm, book or a mm, screenplay or mm. the kind of projects that take a lot of time to do that you don't see any money for. Mm. And I'm just not spending my time doing that because mm. I think that all my time needs to be monetized. Oh, I feel that so hard before yeah. I went freelance. I was like, Mm, yeah, I'm just going to like write all these short stories. Like I'm going to yeah. have all this time. It's going to be great. I'm going to read so many books. You do read a lot I of do, books. I do, yeah. But, you know, before bed, that's not really work, working hours anyway. But it's still contributing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one one thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just like hasn't happened yeah. at all, um, which is good on the one hand. Not good, but it's like, well, it means that I have enough work that I'm not, yeah. that I don't have spare time. But yeah, I thought freelance would be, so much more chill than it is mm. and now I'm like just working harder than I ever have before. I feel like I'm working really hard but also I have a life balance that I never had mm. before this. Yes. Like I am kind of in the process of I feel like I'm retroactively like trying to be like a better friend Yes, because like so basically 2015 I feel like was kind of the year that stuff started to kind of kick off. Yeah. Kick off. <laughs> like pick up for me yeah. career wise. And like 2016, I wrote my book, 2017, my book came out and I was touring it and touring it. I went to like Canberra and Sydney. Um, but you know, like doing writers festivals mm. and you have to prepare for all that stuff. Mm. I was doing a few keynotes in those years. So that stuff takes time. And I was also working full time. So mm. I was like, not that's crazy present yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like, um, and I also like was just not looking after myself. Um, but now I'm like, I do Pilates every mm. week. I'm trying to instill in myself, like if you're having a day working from home, you have to get up and go for a walk in the morning. Mm. Um, because otherwise I know, like I looked at my step counter yesterday when I <laughs> am <laughs> waking up and walking to the cab to come to Sydney, um, to come to the airport, to go to Sydney. I had done as many steps as I'd done the day before when I was just at home <laughs> working. And so I was like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to like, I feel like even though freelance means like working late at night or filling every hour with as much work as possible, I am like, I have free nights more mm. than I ever have before. Yes. Yeah. And like weekends I'm only doing, I'm only working on weekends if I really have to, mm. which is like something complete. like our mutual friend Sinead Stubbins once years ago, we were commiserating about this cause she, you know, used to freelance or still does freelance outside her full-time job. And she was like, it's taking so long to realize that like a weekend isn't just 20 hours of more time to work mm. in. And that's what I used to treat weekends mm. as as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it just sucked coming home from doing a full day of work and then doing more work, especially when your day job is kind of writing stuff and then you're coming yeah. home and you're writing again. It's like, your brain just doesn't get a break from it. Totally. And yeah, I found that really maddening. Yeah. And I'm so glad I don't have to do it anymore. Me too. I'm so glad that I can like go and like sometimes I, like last Monday I was just like having a real, like every email I was saying to someone like, you know, those days when you get an email in and it's like, all right, I'll deal with that in a couple of days. Or like, I'll just reply to this email and it'll mm. be sorted. It was one of those days where like every email that come in, came in needed me to do something, like mm. write something or think about something and like form a really like considered response. And it got to like 12 o'clock and I, my brain was so fried that I was like, I'm going to get a manicure. <laughs> and I have picked off that manicure because of a nervous habit. But, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, if I had a day job, I couldn't do this. Yeah. I couldn't just be like, 
I'm going to close my computer and go and like do something nice mm. for myself. So that kind of stuff is, is yeah. really good. And that like just makes more sense with creative work. I think anyway, where it's like, well, naturally you just don't feel that kind of inspiration from nine to five, yeah. like on, on a clock, like it just doesn't yeah. really work like that. So totally. Yeah. Now you have more freedom to go with those ebbs and flows. Yeah. That's something I like about copywriting too, is that you don't necessarily have to be like inspired mm. or have like an idea. Mm. You just have to be like, what is the brief? What's the information? I will now write this thing for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so you did a really good Instagram post. Um, Thanks. It was really good. <laughs> Everyone follow Brody on Instagram um, where you kind of broke down how you made all your money mm-hmm. this this past year of freelancing. Yeah. Um, can we talk about that? Absolutely. I brought it up. Do you want to look at it? From, I think <laughs> I remember. It. I just ran into a friend out in the lobby of the hotel that I'm staying in and she was – I told her that I was doing this and she was like, I really liked that post. And I was telling her like I drafted it up in a document cut down so like cut out so much of it and then when I put it on Instagram I hit post and then immediately was like I'm gonna archive this this is so embarrassing this is like so self-indulgent no No. one cares no it was so good it was actually it's helpful like it was that's the kind of stuff that I love reading but I just felt for my I don't know I felt a bit self-conscious about it or something I mean everyone does but it was 10 out of 10 content for me I was like I was hanging on every word quite well engagement wise (laughs) not that I care not that I am an influencer Um, but I, almost 900 likes. That's I, a, I think that's a record breaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you broke down like how you made your money. Yeah. Um, so you, you wrote 35 articles. Mm-hmm. You did seven public speaking gigs. The pay for which varies widely. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how yeah. widely? Um, they average the ones that I do at least, which generally are like either panels where I'm moderating a panel so I have to prepare questions for everyone on the panel and then moderate it or I'm a panelist which is always the least amount of prep work Mm. um or doing a one-on-one Q&A with someone where I have to like do a lot of research about them if it's an author read their work um come up with questions and then do the hour or so on stage they average about – sorry, I just burped into the microphone. They average about $500. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Um, it's okay. Like that kind of stuff is tricky because I know people have budgets yeah. and I know there's always that thing. Did you say it on your podcast or did I hear it on another podcast about like money transparency where it was like if someone offers you X amount of dollars, just make a habit of like asking for slightly more. And I don't do that, but Mm. I feel like this is the kind of area where that kind of stuff maybe has a bit more flexibility. Mm. Some people use MEAA rates, Mm -hmm. the Media Entertainment Arts Alliance. Is that what it stands for? Um, But it's always nice when people – I think people think like, oh, we're getting an hour of your time on stage, so Mm. that's what we're paying for. And it's like I could spend two days, two full days, and now that I'm freelance, a day has a monetary value on Mm, it so much more. Yeah. And just the stress beforehand as well. Yeah. And a book as well. Like I interviewed Meg Wallitzer last Monday night and um, her book, The Female Persuasion, is huge. Yeah. It's really big. Yeah. And I also – I had read one or two of her earlier books, and but she has a huge archive of work. So I knew I couldn't read everything. I knew I couldn't watch all the movies that have been adapted from her books. 
but I had to like read a lot of interviews with her, watch a lot of stuff and come up with thoughtful questions. It's like a lot more time than just mm. an hour on stage. Mm, yeah. For sure. Um, and copywriting yeah. is another thing. Is that, do you reckon that's where you make most of your money? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, aside from the regularity of my um, tour promotion work, um, copywriting, mm. I have a kind of set day rate and hourly rate. Um, and so usually people will come to me with like an, a skeleton of a brief, mm-hmm. like something I learned at my old job in the copywriting studio was like, no one knows how to brief copy so that it takes a lot of time in back and forth. Mm-hmm. And during that back and forth of fine tuning what the client wants, you get an idea of how they are going to be to deal with. And sometimes that affects yeah. my quote because yeah. if they say, um, can I have like five Instagram posts and I go, okay, what are they? Do you have a social media strategy? Do you want copy? Do you want artwork? Like, mm. do you have artwork? Mm. What do you want people to do with? Like if they don't know what they want, I kind of get a sense that they're going to be tricky to deal with. Mm. And so that will impact how much time I quote for. Mm. I might just pad out the quote a little bit just so that when I'm getting annoyed going back and forth on emails, I know I'm being paid for it. Yeah. Um, but if like, I have a few really great clients who have like really clear briefs and, um, yeah, I have like an hourly rate, which is starts at, um, $150. Damn. Oh my God. For, for like, this is like commercial copies. Like, yeah, no, you know, that's people I'm just who like have money that my reaction was like, Oh, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> oh no. I mean, like, I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I do like having worked in copywriting before I kind of, it gave me a really good understanding of what people will pay for. And Mm. if they don't have the budget for that, that's fine. Mm. Like I had, I quoted for something recently and they were like, look, full disclosure, we have $3,000 in our budget for marketing. What can you give us Mm -hmm. for that? And so I like, like futzed around with my quote and I was like, okay, it seems like your priorities are this, this, and this, which I can give you Mm -hmm. for that amount of money. And I was like, but you need to get me everything up front, batch it all up, give me one round of feedback. Like it, it, you know, making it work for them. Mm is handy and then but yeah it's people have the money to pay for design like people wouldn't think twice about paying a designer I know yeah you know ten thousand dollars for a big document or something to sell like a housing development but in that document it needs to be filled with words yeah (laughs) and people don't think about the words very much yeah I um did I did this like half a day thing at an ad agency a couple of months ago. Yeah. And they asked what my day rate, rate was. And this is like just after I started freelancing. Yeah. And I was like, I have no idea what my day what rate did you is. Say? Well, I asked my friend who knows things. I was like, what, yeah. is, what should it be? And he's like, mm, like a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh my God, that's so much money. Yeah. Like, why would anyone pay me that much money? Like, that's outrageous. And then in the end, I asked, I said 800. But it just, I don't know. You feel bad. You feel asking bad. For, yeah. Even though it's a huge international no, attitude totally. that's like and also cashed up. Yeah, totally. I feel the exact same way. I remember when I first started, I had an advertising job when I was 22. I worked there for a year and a half and I was in social media, but we got a copywriter in and I think he was paid $700 a day. And at the time I thought that was fucking outrageous, but it's not mm. like you and that, you know, he or like anyone who gets paid that amount for one or two days of work has so much irregularity in mm. their income that mm. that 
quote needs to cover mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Someone once told me that to work out your day slash hourly rate, you should figure out whatever amount of money you want, then add 20% and then add tax and super like onto yeah. that as well. And that's the amount you should be quoting on. It's a good like, idea. Oh, okay. Cause yeah. that's, that's also like my $3,000 a month, like goal for myself. I was and have been, and still kind of am recovering from being really bad at like factoring in the tax and super mm. and stuff. Um, and I had a, like a, a coffee with a friend recently who's been freelance for years and years and she was asking how everything was going for me. And I was like, I think I'm fucking up like the savings side of it. And she was like, just think of it as like, when you get quote for a job, like say the quote is a thousand dollars, you're being paid $400. Mm, that's so true. And yeah. I was like, yikes, <laughs> because you know, like, you know, music writing or yeah. like bitsy publishing, you might get paid 150 bucks. Like, you know, like I said in the post, like the article writing side of it, the most I've gotten paid for an article this past year is $1,800. And that mm. was a... Yeah, what was that? That was a like a long, long-ish form, but it was a um, per word, like oh. 80 cents a word. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Which is so nice yeah. to have A, the room to write something and B, the someone just investing in yeah. like an article like that. Um, I'm just being conscious of not mentioning like publications yeah, no, and stuff I just because I, I know that not everyone has their rates public, but that kind of stuff helps. Mm. Um, and the, I said like the lower end of that is $40, mm. which is like a hundred word, like little review and mm. something. And to think that I'm only making $40 from that is tricky. I know. I totally knew. <laughs> oh no. Uh, $40 from a hundred dollar review. Yeah. If it's a 40, if I'm getting paid $40, yeah. what's that like? I'm getting eight bucks or something. <laughs> I can't do math. Yeah. No, that's hard. Yeah. I, Okay, I want to keep asking about your Instagram post, but let's okay. like sidebar yeah. into tax because oh, this yeah. is like a big question oh, I no. have. Yeah. How, like, how do you do it? How do you pay tax? I am, I, I'm not like a, I'm, I don't feel like I have any kind of um, advice in this yet because I'm still getting advice and mm-hmm. like making sure I'm doing it right. Um, so I've, I've had an accountant the last three financial year, four financial years. And when I say I have an accountant, I mean, I go to someone at the start of July, mm. I've collected up, I go to Kiki K and I get like this <laughs> little binder that says receipts on the spine and oh. it has a folder for every mm-hmm. month of the year. And so I put in all my hard copy receipts in there and in my email, when I get like an, a bill or an invoice paid or something, I just file it into a folder called tax 2018, 19 or whatever the Mm. financial year is. So I start a new one of those every year and it's kind of like, I'm quite, um, I was going to say anal retentive, but it's like, I just like, I love a spreadsheet. Mm. I'm not very good at making them, but I really like just like having all the data in Mm. there that I can then just like organize. Mm. Um, and so I kind of have a, um, like a template a bit now because I've done it the last few years where I plug in all my expenses and because I write about pop culture um, and work in music and um, wrote a book, I can claim quite a lot of the things that I want to buy. (laughs) Yeah. I would really love to get into the beauty influencer community so I can claim more of my lifestyle. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, um, and so I plug in all of my deductions, all my income, all that kind of stuff. And then I just send it off to the accountant who comes back and with what I either owe or am getting back. So last 
year I got a bill for the first time Mm. in many years, which sucked, but also I took it as a sign of having kind of done well because Mm. that was the financial year that I was working four days a week or like full time and then four days a week. So I had my, my, uh, day job was contributing pay as you go tax. Okay. Um, and I essentially had made the exact same amount freelancing, Mm -hmm. um, as I had made at my day job. Yeah. And so everything that they had contributed, I then had to contribute. And it was also the first year that my taxable income was, um, like I had to pay hex for the Mm. first time Mm. three years before that, because I had been freelancing on top of my day job. Basically I'm doing all the maths in my, I'm visualizing it like, um, <laughs> the meme of the lady with all the numbers in front of her face, but it's like, cause I, I, I did bad. I did like the lowest maths at high school, but I remember the tax stuff of it where it was like, they basically just taught you what like taxable income and deductions were, but it was like my work paid a bunch of tax on my behalf. And then I made a bunch more money on top of that. And then a bunch uh, a portion of money on top of that. But then I had enough deductions that it kind of negated what I had earned on top of that and also took my taxable income down. So what my head, my work had already paid, I got back. Mm. And I'm now realizing in retrospect that the three years that I got really great tax returns, I should have put all of that to hex and would have no hex debt left. Mm. That's how much I got back in three years. Mm, shit. It was like one year was like, eight grand one year was like six and one year was like seven so it's like I have eighteen thousand dollars in tax debt so I would have none basically if I had paid it all yeah and so last year I had to pay four thousand dollars around four thousand dollars in tax um and about four and a half on hex Mm. so it was the first year that I had to contribute to my hex so it's but yeah so it sucks but I was also like I had to pay this hex debt at some point mm. and I'm kind of s- bummed that I have to <laughs> and stoked that I have kind of made enough that I am now in that bracket, even mm. though that's a dumb thing to say. Like, I'm so stoked I get to pay all this <laughs> money to RMIT. <laughs> um, so for this year when tax time rolls around, like, and presuming you get a bill, like yep. are you just taking it out of savings to pay it or no I'm building up that savings yeah I haven't been very good at putting stuff aside I'm being a lot more active about it now in the last little while maybe since I've started listening to a certain podcast I don't know (laughs) but I also I also know I've been like irresponsible with my money um I basically like you I think you've said on the podcast before like because you're freelance you're often waiting for invoices to be paid Mm. so I basically live off my credit card. Mm. And then when my, when invoices do get paid, I use that to pay off my credit Mm. card and I'm not dividing the money up and putting a portion on the credit card, a portion in savings Mm. and then a portion Mm. in my like, Mm. you know, pool to spend from. So I've done like a, I have this notebook at home that's like grid lined and I just wrote down like all the invoices that were going to be coming in, everything that was like a $40 album review to like a, $1,300, $1,300, which is like this, you know, when I, when I get a big copywriting job, that's kind of more than $2,000. I'll quote 50% up, I'll invoice 50% up front. And cause if it's a long job, I need to have mm. some money coming in and then 50% on completion. Mm. Yeah. That's on my quote. Like mm-hmm. at the bottom, if I, if it's enough to warrant quoting, which is usually like $2,000 mm-hmm. or more, I put at the bottom, like 
I'll invoice 50% up front. People seem pretty good about that. Mm, that's a really good idea. I've never thought oh, to do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, we had that. This, a lot of this stuff came from working full time and like hiring contract. Like I, my old job, I used to have to like get quotes from photographers or other mm. writers or editors or video people. And so I learned a lot from the way that other freelancers mm. quoted and the way that I had to deal with their invoices. And I was like internally at our agency going to the accountant being like, we have to put this quote or this invoice through now and then we're going to have another one in six months or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, on my little like tracker that I made, like a separate tracker, um, I basically put columns in being like tax, super, hex, and then um, uh, just like spending and then credit card. Mm. And so if I'm getting paid $600 for something, I put in like put 150 here, or put $40 on. And so like something like putting $40 away is something I never would have usually done mm. before because it seems insignificant, but not doing it means that it's not building up. Mm. So I'm trying to be a lot better about that because usually when I get like, yeah, a big invoice paid, I just dump it somewhere, whether that's on my credit card and then I'll spend it again, mm. or it's um, on my rent, which is nice because I can't spend it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you pay yourself super? I haven't since I went freelance. Yeah. So I'm getting all these um, email oh, letters from Australian Super being like, you no longer have insurance cover because you have not made a contribution. And I was like, I don't even know I had insurance yeah. cover, but this oh. seems threatening. No, the insurance cover is a scam. It's like they oh, they automatically make you pay like life insurance and total disability insurance oh. and stuff, which is like good if you have dependents who are going right. to be fucked yeah. if you're like incapacitated. But when you're a single person without children. It's yeah. just eating away your super balance. So right. don't feel guilted about okay, that. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Do you use Australian super? I don't even know what a good super oh, is. I don't know what a good super is either. I'm pretty sure I'm not on a good super. I'm on yeah. rest, which is the retail okay. fund from oh, just because yeah. when I was 18 or something and I worked part-time at a shoe shop, yeah. they put me on rest. They always so just that's put you just, on something. That's just what I'm on now. I had so many like little retail jobs and stuff in high school and I had lost track of all of my super but you know how people always say like, pull your super. It's so easy. Mm. Recently I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I went into like my gov and I was like, pull my super. And it was like, you have $13,000 in something. Do you want to like take it? Like you could basically like get it back, like withdraw it what, or transfer it. And I was like, withdraw. And then I put in all these details and then I was like, you are ineligible to withdraw. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I didn't know this money existed. I don't miss it. Yeah. And then I was like, all these people who say pulling your super is easy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I need help with like the terminology or something. Yeah. No, like one kind of job to myself that I said I really need to do while I'm freelance is switch retail, like switch super funds. Yeah. Because when I had a job and they were just paying into rest, it was like, oh, it's like too much effort to I don't know, deal with telling the accounts team yeah. to like pay to a new super fund. So I was like, when I don't have a job, I'll switch. You'll do it. Um, hasn't happened yet. Please let me know if you find like a good super. Yeah. You guys talking about ambulance cover recently. I was like, I need to get ambulance cover. Yeah. I mean, look, I still haven't got ambulance cover. Like it is just so cheap, me. but it's also, I was so full disclosure. I was listening to that podcast as I was standing at the tram stop with a bag of like takeaway Indian <laughs> food that had cost me like almost a year's worth of ambulance cover. And I was like, you should probably do this. Yeah. In fact, maybe, maybe today I'll 
get ambulance cover. Maybe I will too. Yeah, let's okay, let's do it. Cover. I went and did like an allergy check recently. Like I had this weird skin thing a couple of years ago and I was like, I should just go. Like it's fixed now, but I was like, I should just go and like didn't think when you turn on your money podcast you'd be hearing about my skin thing this week but um I had to go and get like just wanted to see if I had any allergies to stuff yeah and because the allergy guy was like a middle-aged man in Melbourne I wanted him to like me by talking about footy and so he was like are you a member and like blah 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 and I was like no I think I'm gonna get a membership you know I want to support the club and blah 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 and then he was like do you have ambulance cover and I was like no and he was like it's less expensive than a football membership. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, I've been read to filth. <laughs> God, shamed. Um, I still other- don't have either though, so no big deal. <laughs> um, the other thing about super, and I can't speak with any authority on this, but my mum just told me while I was in Canberra on the weekend that if you make payments to your super, it's like, makes your taxable income lower so you save yeah, money on tax you can, i don't know if it's like you can claim it but there's always a thing when i because my accountant basically sends a thing being like make sure you give us this information mm. and one of them is like did you make any voluntary super mm. com- c- contributions mm. and i say no <laughs> yeah so i'd look i don't think i actually will make a voluntary super contribution before tax it's time, kind of like but- my personal loan where they said like <laughs> you can make up to a thousand dollars a year in voluntary contributions. And I was like, great. I would love to take my loan balance down. But then I was like, what if I contribute more than a thousand dollars a year? Do you like penalize people? Like, cause I imagine the bank is like, we can't charge you as much interest if you're making yeah. all these voluntary repayments. Yeah. Sometimes they actually won't let you, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Why do you have a personal loan? I mean, I feel... (laughs) You don't have to talk about it. I have listened to the podcast before, so I know that like someone having like a small amount of debt elicited like, oh my God. So I don't want to be shamed for talking about my personal loan, but it was just, it's just been like a myriad of factors. Did I phrase that right? Like, cause I was trying to figure it out too. I was like, why do I have this personal loan? There were like a few things, like I, I basically, I moved back from, um, I lived in New York for a year. I moved back here in 2012. So it's been a while now. And I got a small loan when I came back, just like get myself back on my feet. Um, and had almost paid it off. And then I was, I had this trip that I was taking for work, like slightly work, slightly holiday, um, to the States a couple of years ago. And I had got this travel grant to go and I was like all ready to go. I had something at the start of March and the end of April. So I basically had two months in between that I filled in and um, I was saving and had money set aside. And then I had to get a root canal, which I found out the day I moved into my own place. So this has been, that was like mid 2015. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I remember I was like driving, I was borrowed my friend's car, I was driving back and forth with all my stuff and was just eating ibuprofen. Like was just, mm. I felt like that my stomach lining was wearing away because mm. I was taking so many painkillers to deal with this tooth. Went in the day after moving into my own place and the dentist was like, you need to get a root canal. We're going to start today. And I just started crying and didn't stop yeah. crying for like 24 hours. Mm. And he basically was like, you're too young for us to extract the tooth. We want to save it. And I was like, okay. And I think this dentist has like set me on like a financially anxious path in my life. Cause like, I don't want to go to the dentist now because I'm like, yeah, that guy I think fucked me over. Cause I was paying like $1,500 every visit. Like that's an exact, but I was paying up to that much. 
And, you know, a root canal is like a many staged process. Mm, So it it was like thousands and thousands of dollars. By the time I went in and got the crown on, it was like December, January. I was going on this trip in March. This had been going on since like July. It was like a drawn out process Mm. for one fucking tooth that I wish he'd just pulled out of my head. Um, And so I needed to get a loan and I, I just made some like, you know, I was working full time so I couldn't pick up lots of freelance work, but I kind of was putting a lot on my credit card and then got a personal loan to pay off my credit card and um, told myself that I would not use my credit card as much as Mm. I did. So then, spoiler alert, I did use my credit (laughs) card. And so then I essentially was in a position where I was both paying off a credit card and a personal loan. Yeah. So the person I'm – I really want to go to the Commonwealth Bank and see like a financial planner Mm. and just see if I can get my personal loan repayments down a little. But Mm. as it stands, I'm going to – it's just like a bulk amount of money that comes out of my account every week, every month. And I have like two years left that I'm paying it off, which seems like a lot, but also I've been paying it off for a really long time. Well, not a really long time, a couple of years. Mm. So yeah, I I thought at the time when I was working full time, I was like, I would rather pay more every month and have this loan for a shorter amount of time than kind of drip feed it for like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which is better. I genuinely don't know which is better. No, me neither. I feel like the loan amount is going up because of interest and it's just really, and I try not to look at it, which is probably irresponsible, but I'm just like, I pay my significant amount every month and that's just money that I don't have. And, but I know that I like got myself in this position, so it's not like bad or anything. No, I mean like your dentist got you in this position. Yeah. I just can't believe we as humans haven't evolved past the point of needing teeth. Like I'm like, do you think they cost so much money instead of, you know, but money get- isn't, ev- isn't an evolutionary thing. <laughs> I just look, I don't know. I just think like we can put man on the moon, but I still have to like pay all this money on my teeth. We're going to evolve into like hunchbacks sooner than we're going to evolve into like toothless. Like, well, I had a, I had a great idea, which people. is that when we're like 18, they should just rip out all of our teeth and replace them with like veneers or something. Mm-hmm. And so then no one has to get braces and yep. no one, needs a feeling and then we just got these like plastic oh, yeah. teeth or whatever yeah sick <laughs> that's my plan we can all get veneers like influencers like yeah <laughs> um no anyway um back to your instagram post which we kind of detoured from um you wrote album bios i do that as well yeah yeah love an album bio yeah, love an album bio. how do you quote for them well yeah I think I need to get better at it. Yeah. Like people, a lot of the time when people ask me to do them, it's like friends. Mm-hmm. And so I always feel like I don't want to ask them for much money, especially yeah. if they're like indie-ish Or artists. on a little label or something. Yeah. yeah. Or not so, on a label. I mean, I normally say my rate for major labels is 500, but for friends I can do like... 400. I think you can charge more for majors. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I've been I, um, playing myself. Like for people listening who maybe don't know, like when an artist has a new album coming out, they hire a writer to like interview them and get like the story of the album. And then that gets sent around to like press, I guess. Sometimes it's put on their websites. Um, the smallest amount I've done for one is $300. Mm. And that was for like a small label. Um, but I wouldn't, I don't think I'd do it for 300 again. Mm. Um, it is tricky when it's like friends and stuff, but the most I've been paid for an album bio is a thousand dollars. 
and that was for a major label and it was 1200 words. Yeah. And cause usually if people come to me and say like, we've got four, $450 in the budget, I'll be like, I can give you 600 words for that. Yeah. Okay. And one round of edits. Like I'm usually, yeah, I usually yeah. try to set oh, the terms uh-huh. just cause like you're doing research, you're listening to the album a bunch, you're interviewing the artist, you're transcribing it. Like that's so much work already. Yeah, I know. And sometimes it's annoying because like recent, I've done two recently for artists who I love and like genuinely want to write a lot Mm. about their record. And I went way over the word count that I had set (laughs) to like save myself time. But I was just like, there's so much in here. I want to get out the story of these albums. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's like some imposter syndrome thing or something, but I just feel like, oh, like I just, I just really struggle with asking for more money. And I think like, oh, I don't know, like I don't want to lose the job or something. Totally. And it's like that's realistically probably not going to happen. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I don't know. I just need to get better at, at asking for more. It's handy also. It's one of those things too where like I'll pe- – I'll, I used to have – when I was working full-time, I used to have this like freelance pyramid kind of of like what I needed from a job to make it worth doing. And because I had the luxury of – being choosy about what I did when mm. I worked full time and it was money, fun and some kind of like career advancement, whether mm. that's like mm. being published somewhere you want to be published mm. or like working with an editor you really admire or whatever. Mm. And sometimes jobs will fit two of those things, but usually I make the decision based on like which one of those it is. And so like if, and it's basically like if you get one, you'll sacrifice yeah. Like ideally you have yeah. two of those things and you'll sacrifice oh. the third. So like if you're have, writing something you're really into yeah. and it's going to advance your career in some way, the money doesn't matter as yeah, much. Yeah, totally. If it's like a fucking slog of a job mm. and you're going to get nothing career-wise mm. from it, like a bio is great but they're not bylined. Yeah. And if it's for an artist you don't love or a client who you know is going to be torturous, you have to quote more yeah, for that totally. to make it worth your time. Uh, that's I published an article last week in The Guardian. Oh yeah, which was cool because I had never written for them before, and obviously the rate for that is like not very high. Was it the opinion? Yeah, like the, the opinion, opinion rate. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, in a way, it was kind of hard for me to be like, oh, I'm going to spend like I'm probably going to agonize over this short article yeah. for like you know, a full day um, for a relatively small amount of money. But just trying to actually rewire my thinking a bit and like, oh, no, but it's actually – it has worth beyond the money. Totally. And, yeah, just the amount of people who've, like, texted me and be like, oh, I read your story. I'm like, oh, that you know, people actually read that stuff and it helps you, but it's like a longer-term thing. Totally. Yeah. It's like I did a thing – a couple of weeks ago for Pitchfork mm. um, where they oh, – the Game of Thrones one? Yeah, yeah I just nice. wrote a thing for Game of Thrones and it was – I think I was lucky that I'm in a different time zone to them. So they essentially um, – I woke up to an email from um, an editor friend I have there who basically was like, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I know you do. Do you want to write this th- like about the music on the mm. show last night? We'd need it by 7 a.m. our time. And mm. so while they were all sleeping, I wrote this mm. story and it was – she, they described it as like, just think of it like a blog post, like 600 words. I wrote way more. They edited it down. They like <laughs> changed stuff, which was fine. Cause I was just like, you know, you don't get paid an enormous amount of money mm-hmm. for something that length. And like, because it's not like a reported feature or something like, mm. I feel like American websites and publications are a lot better at acknowledging the work that goes into writing. Like I've been paid better for reported features or mm-hmm. anything that requires 
you know, research and interviews and stuff than I probably do in Australia. But, um, you know, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but I was like, Pitchfork is still significant. It's still a website that I like having a byline on. I haven't written for them in a few years. So mm. it's really nice to like be mm. back. Yeah. 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 Be back. <laughs> Everyone's like, Brody's back on Pitchfork. No, they're not. Absolutely zero people said that. <laughs> oh my God, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting. Um, so another thing you did, and this isn't actually this like financial year, but you wrote a fucking book. Yeah. And I think that this is really interesting. Yeah. Like me and Josie, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or just between ourselves, but um, we're like, how much do people get paid oh, for Oh yeah, you were book? talking about um, the person who wrote the book about money, yes, right? that's right. Yeah. yeah. I listen to the podcast, oh guys. Brody. I remember things. <laughs> and blushing. as I was listening, I was like... I know what it's like to be paid by for a book, but I know what it's like to be paid for a first as a first time author writing mm. nonfiction in mm. Australia, which mm. is like a very specific yes. yeah. place. Um, I got paid $6,000 as an advance for my book, which mm-hmm. does not sound like yeah. a lot of money. Um, but I like, I really trusted my publisher when he told me that that's like, you know, higher than average for a first time nonfiction you know, Mm. unknown essentially author in Australia. Um, and I did some kind of Googling and found forums and of like writers being like, what's a good amount of money. And a lot of people were like 4,000 other people like I got 5,000. So I was like, okay, wow, this feels appropriate. And also my book, you know, they printed, I think it was 5,000 copies. So Mm -hmm. it's like not a huge run. Um, and I also didn't have an agent or anything like that. I made Mm. the choice not to like either search for one or kind of actively, pursue or engage with agents just because making money for my time I was investing in that project met that project as a book um was more important to me than like kind of negotiating Mm. a price Mm because what I kind of have learned about publishing while I was doing it and since I did it and basically when you have an agent they might take your a they will kind of like shape your outline sometimes and like give feedback before a publisher even sees it they try to sell it to a publisher for the best amount of money. But when you get an advance, if you get a higher advance, that essentially means you have to sell more copies of the book for the publisher to, for it to not basically go into debt to your publisher. So my publisher outlaid $6,000 to me personally. They also outlaid, you know, all the manufacturing costs, all the marketing, all the publicity. Mm -hmm. And it was quite a small, run of books, which means that they weren't left with 10,000 books sitting in a warehouse that mm-hmm. they'd paid for and paid all these marketing costs for and hadn't recuperated, mm-hmm. which means that I would be less likely to be able to get a second book if that's something I wanted to yeah. do. I'm saying all of this as like a very personal experience. There might be people who have had books published listening to this being like, bitch, none of this is right. <laughs> but like, you know, this is all stuff that I have either heard or like sussed out for myself or experienced. Um, so a book advance gets paid in three phases as well. You get $2,000 when you sign the Mm -hmm. contract and start writing it, Mm -hmm. you get, or I say you, I got $2,000. Then I get $2,000 when I submitted the manuscript Mm -hmm. and then you work through edits and all of that kind of stuff. And then when it gets published, you get the final amount. Right. So there were times when I, I basically, signed my contract in December, 2015, started writing. I love the first of a month, started writing like the first of January, 2016, finished a chapter by the next day, 
and then signed up for Netflix and watched all of Friday Night Lights for like a month. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I'd set myself, I was like, I'm going to write 500 words a day and then my book will be done by the end of August because I had to submit it by the 1st of September. And I had this big trip around the States in March and April. I wrote like maybe 500 words that whole time. And then when I came back, um, my work was really good about letting me go down to four days a week. So I basically had a day a week that I was writing my book. I was also doing other freelancing stuff because I still needed to be making, oh my God. I was making less money at my job because I was down to four days. A book advance is not huge. Yeah. Like you can't live off six thousand no, dollars. Really and I didn't go after like grants or residencies or yeah. any of that kind of stuff that might have that I now realize a lot of writers do to help offset mm-hmm. the cost of the time it takes to write a book. Mm. Um, but the time of applying to all of that stuff mm. I didn't have. Mm. So I managed to write my book in like maybe like four months, one day a week, and then like nights and weekends. That's like very impressive. It was pretty like looking back now, I'm like, that's fucked. Yeah, that is fucked. <laughs> um, and it would have been nice to have more time, but I also think with more time I would have procrastinated mm. through it. Like if I have a deadline, I can get something done. And that's something that I know about myself. I also had a friend, my friend Maddie Daw, who runs that blog, Extraordinary Routines. Um, she we were basically Skyping when I was coming up to the end of my trip and she was asking how the book was going. And I was like, it's not, I'm not doing anything. And she basically acted as my human deadline. Like every week she'd be like, haven't seen any pages from you this week. <laughs> and I just send her chapters and she was really good. Cause she was like, do you want feedback? Do you want to know how I feel when I'm reading this stuff? Do you want to know what I'm thinking about? Or do you just want me to, do you just want to know that there's someone yeah. waiting for this? And different weeks it differed. Yeah. Some weeks I was like, I finished this. I'm just sending it to you. So you know that I finished something. Yeah. And I was like accountable to someone, which yeah. was really amazing. Um, and then another part finance, like in my like money Instagram, I was about to say money blog on my (laughs) Instagram post about my money last year. Something I didn't include that I only realized in retrospect is that I was selling copies of my book personally Mm. the end of last year because my book got remainded, which basically means, um, it, you know, it came out in mid 2017. So by the end of 2018, I assume because it's coming up to Christmas and a lot of new things are coming out as like gift ideas and, you know, holiday reads and all that kind of stuff. I'm just making this assumption. Um, like publishers ha- have like physical warehouse space. And so like the right. physical space that my book was taking up was costing them money that huh. could have been used to house um, other books. Yeah. Um, and so Anna Spargo Ryan, who's like a fiction writer, she, I remember seeing on Twitter that she was like, okay, my book got remained I've just got a pile of my own book sitting in my house does anyone want them? And she sold out like on people on Twitter, like DM, oh, really? like PayPaling her yeah. $10 a copy. She yeah. signed them all and sent them all out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I know that this can happen. I also know that my book didn't get an international release. We didn't sell or like I didn't have an agent to negotiate mm-hmm. international rights. I think it seemed specifically Australian, but I, as I was writing it, I was imagining it um, to be read internationally. Anyway, it, so I knew that there were people around the world who had been like, is it coming to the UK? Can I buy it in this place? Is it in America? And so I was like, I could sell directly to these people. Mm. I used to have a zine that I sold online, so I still have an online store. And I basically got a letter from my publisher being like, you can buy up to fi- like, we have 500 copies of your book. You can buy as many as you want for the, um, like it's a price that's negotiated way back in the contract 
phase that I signed at the end of 2015. Mm-hmm. It's like worked out to be like $3 a copy, mm-hmm. $3.30 a copy. And they were like, tell us how many you want, where to send them. We'll send them in one bulk shipment and the rest are going to be able to be ordered by discount bookstores for the same price. Mm-hmm. And that stung a little because I was like, oh, discount bookstores, that's a bad look. But then I was like, I bought so many books mm-hmm. when I didn't have a whole lot of money from discount mm-hmm. bookstores. And I was like, it would actually be really nice to think that someone mm-hmm. with not a huge amount of money to spend on books can get mine for like 10 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. So I listed them online. I did all the... I offered to, I signed every single copy. I bought like prepaid packing slips from the post office, which cost like $800 for a hundred prepaid packing slips. I bought 150. I did a pre-order. So I knew how many to get from my publisher. I bought 150 copies, sold them all. I sold them for 10 bucks each and then charged in Australia, like eight or $9 shipping. Mm. But I spent probably cumulatively like two and a half days organizing the orders, making sure they're signed to the right people, Mm. addressing the envelopes. And then we had just like bucket loads of rain in Melbourne. So I had piles of books sitting in my tiny living room (laughs) that needed to go to the post office um, that a friend just like was like, I'm coming over with my car, load them up and I'll drop them. And I was like, Mm, you are a good friend. (laughs) I have good, I'm realizing I have good friends. So that was something that I didn't put in there, but I didn't really make an income from that. It was like, yeah, it covered the cost of buying the books and buying the envelopes and then the time I spent doing it kind yeah. of cancelled out yeah. anything else. Yeah, totally. I think I bought a like some like a nice bra and undie set <laughs> that I paid through PayPal, which is where all the book yeah, money was yeah. going into. So <laughs> it, it kind of it came and went. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, okay. So you do you don't you didn't make any more after the book came out? No. So okay. after the advance, you basically need to sell retail enough copies to make back that $6,000 mm-hmm. to the publisher and then you start making mm-hmm. royalties from that. So I still get like a statement of royalties. I think it's like every six months. I find them really hard to read. <laughs> I still sometimes text a photo of my royalty statement to my publisher being like, what does this mean? Because <laughs> for a while there it was saying like it had like this kind of around fifteen to $1,800 number and I was yeah. like, does that mean that that's what I need to – I need to sell that amount of books to start making money. And he was like, no, that means you've actually made back your advance plus that $1,800, but they hold that money in case bookstores send books back. Cause sometimes a bookstore might order 20 copies of a book, mm-hmm. sell three. And then six months later, they're like, these books aren't moving. They can send them back to the right. publisher and get their money back. Mm-hmm. And so the publisher like holds an amount of money in case that happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. It's so Publishing, com- yeah. It's so complicated. I was talking to a friend who works at a record label yesterday and we were talking about this because she was like, it must be similar to like advances for bands mm. to make their records. And as we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, it sounds pretty, mm. pretty similar. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So do you think that there's like a lesson you've learned or some kind of wisdom you could impart to other freelancers over your year freelancing like is there something that you used to do and you realize you're doing it wrong or just like just a good tip I think the thing that I like I said I've started to do it recently and need to get kind of better at it is that like splitting up of the money and treating like you know an invoice that gets paid is not a bulk sum of money for me to go to Mecca and Mm -hmm. buy shit with Mm -hmm. it is 
like it needs to cover. I need to treat it more like I'm a business. I think I need to treat myself more like a business Mm -hmm. where an amount of money that I get paid for what my business is providing, which is like the service of writing Mm. service of me (laughs) is like some of those expenses need to cover the business, which is, you know, tax and super and hex and all of that stuff. And then, yeah, because I I have like a tricky relationship with money where I just think that whatever I have sitting in my bank account is for me to play with, mm. and that's a, I have an I think I have an unhealthy relationship with money um, that I'm trying to work on repairing because I know better. Mm. Anyway, that's not advice. This is just me <laughs> turning this into therapy. Um, I think that kind of that triangle thing, pyramid three options, whatever you want to call it of like fun career advancement and money is a good one to refer back to. Cause I know sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've been in this position where like a job will come around, you get a weird vibe from the person on email. It sounds like it's going to be a drain. It's not a huge amount of money, but you kind of need some money at the moment. So you say, yes, you kind of think I probably should say no to this, but I need money. So I'm going to say yes. And then it turns into a fucking killer and you're just like, Mm. this is a nightmare. When will it end? This person wants a thousand edits. I didn't clarify at the start how many edits they got. So Mm. it was my fault and I'm not going to get paid for any of this Mm. time. And what a waste. And so I think trusting your instincts and referring back to those three kind of like tenants is really good. Kanye apparently had a similar one years ago where he was like, um, when he decided what he was going to work on in music, it was like, um, uh, relevancy, like being played on the radio and being like on the charts or whatever money. And then it was like, whether it was like a passion project or he was excited Uh to do it. So apparently one year he like sacrificed money and relevancy. He was like, you can't turn on the radio and hear Kanye West on the radio because I'm working on my passion projects. Wow. Well, if it's good enough for Kanye. I don't know what he's doing now though. <laughs> those mm, those yeah. Coachella t-shirts I'm not into. Anyway, it's a different podcast. Where's <laughs> Oz? <laughs> well, um, I feel like that's a good place to leave it, you know, when Kanye comes into the convo. <laughs> Cut me off. <laughs> um, but no, thanks heaps for coming on, mate. Oh, thank you. Sorry I went down so many, chased so many rabbits. No, it was great. <laughs>